Hello, it's Joel Crane here, Investor Relations from Cobalt Blue. We're a company developing the Broken Hill Cobalt project, uh, which will be a 3,500 ton integrated mine and refinery uh, in the heart of Australia, Broken Hill, New South Wales. Joel, uh, good to have you on board. You're joining us for this Contrarian Week, and we're going we're gonna to discuss uh, Contrarian investing. Um, but I've got to ask, um, the first question is, you guys seem to have petered out as far as the share price is concerned, pretty, pretty flat. So um, has all the growth gone? Has all the upside gone? I mean, why should people invest in your company? Oh, look, um, not really sure I would describe it as petering out. I think our stock price uh, profile looks very similar to so many other asset classes. I mean, uh, I, I think that the macro environment, and I, I don't think anyone would disagree, is really the primary contributor to, to our sell-off as well as, as, well as the sectors. Um, look, we're all familiar with the raisins. We can cite them and talk about them all day. Rising interest rates, higher cost of living, falling asset values. And, and look, the cyclical um, sectors generally get unloved during this period. And, and I don't think we're any different. Um, I think we also, it seems like the, the conversations drifted a long way away from one of the primary drivers of commodity markets. That's, of course, China. Um, commodity world is still China centric. Um, and everyone's been waiting for the next round of stimulus, which just hasn't really come yet. So I think there's a lot of disappointment priced into a lot of these valuations. And look, Matthew, I'm not going to stand here and try and pick the cycle. Uh, but with so many valuations getting close to annual lows, I think there's definitely something to be said for looking at a good time to pick up exposure. Well, okay. Well, there, there, there's the there's the rub of it, right? Which is, you know, how do people identify companies which, um, you know, where they, where they can get some of this exposure to some of this growth in the future? You've talked about, you know, China and stimuluses, and that's sort of stuff out of your control. So, how do you remain in control of your own destiny? Well, you know, I think for us and, and probably a lot of other companies, all we can do is, you know, control. We can control, and for us, that's just on the operational side, and so. You know, we're, as you know, we're full bore, uh, all hands on deck running a demonstration plant um, and we're getting all sorts of encouraging results. So we like to just, you know, whenever we can try and make sure the market's updated on what exactly is happening. Um, and um, I think this is a good opportunity to do that. So I appreciate that. Um, and I guess that's how you, you pick these, the, the winning companies is ones that are, that are working hard and um, spending the time when they can to, um, uh, to really uh, build up what you've already invested in. Um, so for us, um, what we've been doing is just we're, we're in the midst of our uh, DFS uh, and basically having the opportunity to prove the Broken Hill Cobalt project will be an economic viable um, project. And we're getting results pretty much every day that are, that are showing that. Uh, luckily, these results are in line with uh, what we had put out in our previous studies. Uh, so for instance, in the past month, we've demonstrated that we can upgrade um, uh, our or from the deposit, which has an average grade of around six to 700 ppm, um, to a sulfide concentrate uh, with an average of about 4,500 ppm. And what that does is it rejects, that's through rejecting about 75 to 80% of the ore's mass, and, and then we place that directly onto the dry stack. Um, and that's really important uh, when you're trying to prove up an economically viable project because two thirds of the, of the cash cost for our project um, occurs beyond the concentration steps uh, towards the final product. And so that what that means is that only a fifth of the mass is now involved in the product, and that's what keeps our costs down. So that's just a really important fundamental that we've um, we talked about two years ago and now being able to prove it up. Okay, so okay, so that that's interesting in terms of your your cost controls or 
in terms of a percentage of your cost controls being being reduced. But what's actually mean in market terms? Because you know, if you again come back to that point, if you're waiting for stimulus, you're waiting for for, for China to do their thing, you're slightly out of, out of control there. So, what are the options available to you when you're going through this this, this demo phase um, at the moment? Are you opening up new markets? Are you having new conversations? You know, are you having conversations with industry partners uh, as well as uh, in, in investors? All of the above, yeah. It really is, in some ways, great timing um, that you know a number of sort of factors will come in. Uh, I'm sure you and, and, and many of your um, your listeners have um, spent a lot of time talking about the recent legislation all around the world um, that, that's supporting this sector um, and and improving battery supply chains. Of course, talking about the, the IRA in, in the U.S. That the what? Things have been happening. The IRA? What's oh, that? It's very, very poorly named. I'm waiting for someone to come up with something a little bit better. Right. Uh, but yes, the Inflation Reduction Act, which many people say is oh. actually sort of a misnomer given that it may actually raise inflation in the end. Uh, but for us, yeah, I, I think we're pretty familiar with the important parts of that legislation that are really aimed at localizing critical minerals markets. Um, that's been a concept uh, for a long time, particularly in the U.S., but now uh, this type of legislation makes it a requirement. And that's just super important for, for developing companies like us because um, uh, where we sit in the fortunate um, jurisdiction of a mining-friendly uh, part of Australia. Of course, Australia itself is generally quite mining-friendly, but to be in that FTA-friendly list with the U.S. or as I've heard it recently quipped and I quite like, um, friend-shoring. Uh, so instead of just onshoring your own domestic supply chains, uh, you're actually just trying to inter- internationalize that supply chain, uh, the battery market supply chain. Friend shoring. Uh, I've heard. I've heard it all now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. But let, let's come back from from, from investor's perspective and, and, and look at this because um, right. There's not too many cobalt. Well, sort of um, you know, XDRC or, or, or even X China more broadly, uh, cobalt uh, companies that I can look to. Um, You've given us a sense of the, in the past about the, the, the market, the market dynamics. Has, has anything changed there? Because we're hearing a lot of, you know, um, you know, change of design in batteries and use cases and so forth. Is the market outlook any different? Not really. I mean, if anything, the market just keeps upgrading demand. Sure, the, the battery chemistry uh, and technology outlook is constantly changing. Um, Anyone's looked at the sector closely knows that there has been a lot of talk around trying to thrift cobalt and nickel, uh, which are obviously have very volatile uh, and unpredictable price cycles um, out of a battery. Certainly, that's occurred. Uh, we've talked about it on this on, on this interview before, um, and that's just all part of a evolution of a of a of a sector in its infancy. So places like China, in particular China. Um, and other places with high density where range for batteries is, is not an issue. Um, they're able to thrift um, these these uh, expensive commodities out and come up with a cheaper alternatives. But they're less efficient, more heavy, uh, but they are cheaper. So you, you can offer those cheaper models. And look, I think that's, um, that's only natural. Um, but at the same time, the demand for cobalt and nickel and, and these battery chemistries is only expanding every day um, and the market keeps upgrading that. Right, okay, so the, the, the demand side of thing is still there. 
Um, so I've got to come back to you as the company. Why should I be putting money in now? You're sitting at 68 cents um, today. I think the 12-month 12, 12 high is like 108. Why don't I just wait? Why don't I just wait? Has this thing bottomed? Is there more money to be made? Oh, look, I'm, I'm not going to, like I said at the beginning, I'm not going to try and pick the cycle, Matthew, um, or, or when the when the price um, of a commodity and or equity evaluations will bottom. But look, um, we're at a very interesting stage where um, some people are choosing to take exposure and, and obviously some are not. And that stage is where we're, uh, like I said, uh, about a third to halfway through our DFS. Um, and that's ongoing and that's taking a long time. Uh, but uh, uh, And we're not funded. Uh, so I think the market is still valuing us as a developer as opposed to a company with a revenue because um, ours is still uh, three to four years away. Uh, but I guess... Um, and, and what we try and do is update the company through our ASX announcements and, and the photos and everything on our website that it's all happening. Uh, we have three contractors hired, uh, three of the biggest names uh, in Australia, which is Worley, GHD, and, and uh, SKR. They're helping us with our uh, DFS, um, and they're constantly on site. Um, and so, you know, that the final study will be done about the third quarter next year. Uh, but until then, I think you're just going to have this... Um, like I said, the market's valuing us like a, a developer as opposed to a, a miner. Right, so you're 12 months away from the DFS coming out. Obviously, in this sort of inflationary environment, or you know, it's interesting to sort of see if, if prices sustain, drop, or go up. I'm not sure too many people have an, have an idea because the, the oil market is, 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 is concerning, I guess, at the moment. Um, but once you do have those numbers, it, it's all good. And often, you know, obviously, most people will be aware of the Lasson curve. Um, you, you would expect to get some kind of reaction with the DFS there. But have you got the money to get yourself through there? Will you be raising capital? Will there be some sort of dilution reaction? Oh, no, look, we're fully funded through DFS um, with about um, $9 million in the bank all the way through the next year. Uh, and we also uh, received a grant from the Australian Critical Mineral uh, Office in the tune of $15 million um, that specifically goes to that DFS. So uh, we're, we're, we're well-funded for that. Uh, which is good because we have um, invested a lot in this demonstration project um, and um, and it's really starting to pay dividends as we are uh, able to prove what we were talked about in the PFS two years ago. Things like, are we consuming too much energy? What are the reagents look like? And, and is it going to create the, the product that we've been talking about, which is cobalt, MHP, and or sulfate? Right, but are there any moments between now and 12 months' time? Okay, because I've got to work out whether, whether I place bets now or whether I hold off, right? As, as a contrarian investor, I want to buy in at the lowest possible point um, and you know, you know, capture all of those, those gains on the upside. So, for instance, conversations with strategic partners, we've talked in the past with, uh, with yourself and Joe, um, you know, pointing towards Europe. Um, Pre-DFS is an interesting period because sometimes you can, you can find yourself a partner with, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes you know, companies need to, but it's also quite, quite an interesting time um, to have those conversations and get someone on board. Or maybe there's a better deal to be done after the DFS. But do you feel that you need some catalyst and moments between now and you know, Q3 next year? I don't think it's required. Certainly, we'd like to have them. Um, and that's why we're constantly updating the market on, on what's happening um, on the ground with our demonstration project that's um, up and running, running 24-7 shifts at the moment. Um, but... Without being able to provide great detail, we are in the midst of um, quite significant discussions with a number of both EV makers and battery makers um, who are, are very interested. Um, our, our site's open for visits. 
Uh, we have been um, traveling the world visiting um, their headquarters as well. So there's there's a lot of discussions. I think there's been a lot of other um, deals announced in the market. So it's it's a it's a it's a hot time. Um, interestingly, um, uh, with uh, I guess partners that are sort of non-traditional, having conversations with EV makers and battery makers is not something miners are used to doing. So we're all sort of wouldn't say we're inventing the wheel, but we're certainly um, in uncharted territory with these type of discussions, and and that's why they, they take time and um, and a lot of effort. But there seems to be, and if I, but if I look at sort of the lithium space, where you you, you know we've seen likes of Ford and, and GM kind of step in, and obviously Tesla too, um, and the, lots of other uh, you know battery metals companies are having conversations with OEMs and battery manufacturers at the moment, and you know at least getting some form of. MOU, whether it be binding or, or not, in place at the at a sort of er, earlier stages than, as you say, his, historically um, they, they have wanted to. So, do you not feel that would give some level of comfort to the market if you were able to do that um, within the, you know, before you know the DFS comes along? Is that something that you're you're working towards? I hear you having conversations, but you must have sort of deliverables at the board level, which you're saying we must get the following things in place, and if so, what are they? Oh, we're we're definitely actively doing that, and of course, something like that would um, certainly, I think, embolden investors. Uh, a lot of these um, tie-ups that you see are, as you said, MOUs or non-binding agreements, and and that just is really just a handshake and uh, a promise to um, p- deliver a potential product several years down the road. Often is the case. Um, for us, you know, our product is our only asset. Uh, we're not going to give that away. Uh, we that's something that we'll uh, we're happy to enter into a partnership with someone who's who's willing to um, be a part of that that growth for us. So, not giving away the asset um, that easily, Matthew. But certainly, um, there's a lot of people who are uh, having a very close look at it. Right. Okay. So it's kind of a case of bear, bear with us. It's all in hand. We're having the right conversations. The demonstra- demonstration plant is. Open, open for business 24-7. What else have I got to look forward to? What's going to give me confidence? Um, well, beyond, again, uh, those are the things that are in control. Uh, those are things that we've told the market that we're going to do and that's what we're going to continue to do. I'd say probably the other advantage that we have is just because of the, the status that we have in Australia, um, grant, getting granted major project status. Um, we're in great favor with, with both state and federal government. Uh, so we're spending uh, a bit, a lot of time speaking uh, to, to people relevant there. We're invited uh, basically to the table uh, for a number of discussions um, because of the things that I've discussed, because of where we're at in terms of a, our journey as, as a developing company um, and the fact that we're in direct talk with battery makers and EV makers. So having that type of um, relationship with the government is, is super helpful. Uh, we were just on a trade mission last week to Korea. Um, that would, you know, we were, as you know, we we're on one of those to the U.S. as well. So it's just something that, um, I guess, having that re- that type of relationship with the government and the sector puts us in a prime position to really understand the trends. And so when we, as we get closer to developing the the project and our product, we'll be very well placed to understand, uh, have a great understanding of, of what the market needs and is looking for. Right. Okay. So would you would you consider yourself a contrarian's uh, investment? Um, given the you know 108 year high, 68 cents today, you're obviously discounted to your year high, as are most people. But why do you get to come out the other side? Um, you know, and why have you got a better chance of success than others? 
Um, I think it's just because of the, I think the major reason um, is the amount of investment, uh, both uh, monetary and just time that we've spent on our, on our demonstration plant uh, and training our people uh, and, and traveling the world and uh, speaking with governments, speaking with industry. Uh, I, I just don't think there are many people that are in that sort of position, many, many organizations that are in that position and this close to really delivering on a, on a, on a concrete project. Um, so I think, but I think that at the same time we're valued, um, like a number of, uh, other companies that are perhaps several stages behind us. Um, so I think that in that sense, we're undervalued and it's a great entry point.